The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Rewind the dynamite from the post-wrestling site. A-E-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind Dynamite. It is John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. Hey, John. How you doing? I am doing all right. How are you? Okay. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Uh, I have to say it's a bit weird because, uh, like, just jumping into the the stream, I, I, you know, as as you know, I'm, I don't really follow too much on social media during us watching the show, so. As we're recording right now, I mean, I've just been alerted to the whole uh, Daphne Unger situation. Mm-hmm. It seems to be unfolding online. So, um, you know, like, we don't really know much right now. So, um, you know. Yeah, can... I, I don't know how much we can really say other than, I mean, it's certainly, uh, you know, she was on, uh, I think it was Instagram Live, and it was uh, very disturbing, the message she was conveying and a lot of people just concerned for her safety. So obviously we are uh, thinking of her and hopefully that this is uh, something that will be that she will find safety, obviously, but this is literally happening as we're speaking. So I don't know how, how much in depth we can really go into it. No, other than the fact, you know, that just to mention that maybe we, that we are uh, aware and up until this point, there's really not much to report about it. So Anyway, I'm hoping for the best. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All of us are uh, are thinking of her. Uh, we're going to move on uh, and chat about uh, some of the news uh, that is going on otherwise before we uh, get into Dynamite. Uh, but before we uh, start the news, Wade, do you want to give just a quick heads up about the shows, plural, that you're going to be doing on Thursday? Yeah, that's right. Sure. First of all, uh, well, it is the first of the month, everybody, so... If you're a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, we hope you've come back for an extra month because it's going to be a big one, not just with our regular appearances and our regular shows, uh, but we've got the G1 coming up later this month. Rampage continues to be a part of our Friday night reviews along with SmackDown every Friday exclusively for patrons. And also tomorrow, I have the next edition of What If with me and WH Park talking about the latest edition of What If, but... If you're a patron, 1 o'clock on Thursday, it is our latest edition of the Wellness Policy. And I'm very excited about this one because it's going to be me, it's going to be Jordan, and it's going to be Braden Harrington talking about dating. Wow. Yes, yes. I mean, a topic that, you know, I'm sure uh, everybody thinks about from time to time. Uh, Not only will the three of us be maybe talking about our own experiences uh, and, you know, listening to patrons calling in, maybe hopefully sharing their experiences. We'll also be joined by a dating profile consultant to talk about. This is going to be the dating. best show ever. 
I'm really looking forward to it. So that's one o'clock on Thursday. If you want to join us live, should be available sometime Friday. If you don't, all right. We'll check it, check all of that out. If you are, uh, you can check it out live if you are a Cafe member, and then MC you later with Way and WH. You should have had WH on the dating show as well. Um, you know what? I might be a bit late to book him, so um, I think he's working, but maybe next time. All right, uh, Friday night. I will be back with Way. Way is my date this Friday night at 11.15 p.m. Eastern Time to chat about SmackDown. That is promoting Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor and Rampage, the official go-home show for All Out on Sunday night. Night number two at the Now Arena. That will be setting up all the stuff for Sunday. So that will be happening on Friday. Over the weekend, we have plenty of shows coming your way on Sunday. We are going to squeeze in a quick show going through the Wrestle Grand Slam events that New Japan Pro Wrestling has in store with back-to-back nights at the MetLife Dome. And the big show is Sunday night. We will be live immediately after All Out with our post show. Way and I going through the whole pay-per-view. We will be live for Double Double, Ice Cap, and Espresso members of the cafe. Plus, a long and winding Royal Road on Sunday with WH Park and Joey Bay. Chatting about Dr. Death and Akira Tawe from the 96 Carnival. So it's a packed Sunday for everybody to check out a wide variety of post-wrestling podcasts. Plenty of coverage to go around. So uh, please join us for any of it. Yes. And it is, as Way mentioned, a new month. So September is going to be a very busy one. Of course, the G1 will be kicking off. We will be doing our extensive coverage of the G1, which will be patron-exclusive shows. So that begins September the 18th. We've got two big Rewind Aways coming your way and a special bonus movie review from Way and WH that will be dropping next Tuesday after the two of you go out together on a movie. Yes, we are. This this really dovetails the dating show very well that you two will then be going out together on Monday and we we get the recap on Tuesday. It'll be, I'm sure, a very kind of memorable time. Um, and just the, just the two of us at a socially distanced movie theater. I mean, it's us, and they're blocking off a bunch of seats around us. So it'll be quite nice with me and WH talking about Shang-Chi right afterwards. So that'll be up on Tuesday for the Post Wrestling Cafe patrons. I want to know what that experience is like, because that's my dream scenario at a movie theater, is being there and no one can sit next to you. It's wonderful. Yeah, I know. Um, I'll let you know. Okay. Okay. On that note, we will move on to the rest of the news uh, that is happening. Let us start off with Raw from Monday night, pulling in 1,907,000 viewers, 709,000 in the 18 to 49 demo. So they were down just under 8% in viewers, 15.5% in the demo. That was still good for number one on cable. And... Still um, a very, a very strong number for Raw from what they're doing these days. The first two hours were incredibly steady. The 18 to 49 demo even grew in the second hour. Hour three saw uh, a drop of 11% throughout the show in 18 to 49, 6% drop in viewers. Uh, The big loss from the week prior was men 18 to 49, which were down 21% this week. Um, But nonetheless, I would say for, for this Raw way, um, this the fact that this number they topped 1.9 million uh maybe that was a lot of people tuning in they're like man we've got these three big matches tonight i've been thinking about them all week long and now i'm 
don't come near me from eight till eleven because I want to see Bobby Lashley and Sheamus, the big, the big breakup, and now we get the match with Miz and Morrison and Eva Marie versus Dewdrop. My plans are parked on the USA Network tonight. What are they going to give me? <laughs> um, uh, unlikely. I suppose. Um, I mean, at this point, I don't. I really don't think it matters what they announce and what they end up not delivering. You know, it might piss off maybe a small fraction of the audience that actually pays attention and, and expects things to happen. But I, I feel like you know some of this is still the fumes coming off of SummerSlam. Perhaps a little bit of heightened interest in the product right now. But um, I, I mean, people will probably tune in no matter how many times they might not deliver on promises. Can you imagine tuning in on Friday night and just just not going to do Darby Allen and Daniel Garcia? It's just uh, you know change during the day and uh, new match. Um, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, let's say that does happen. How many people do you think will tune out? We get a lot of complaints. I'm sure it's it's sloppy TV production, but people will still watch. Uh, they'd they'd still watch. But I think that it's just the point of there'd be a lot of disappointment over it. Perhaps, yeah. What if they booked a tag team match? Or or what if they booked a triple threat involving some of those same participants? Uh, I think it'd be a letdown. I'm looking forward to that match on Friday. I I want to see that match. I guess my point is, you know, I feel like the typical Raw viewer probably just tunes in expecting to see wrestling and not necessarily even what they announced and it and you know like maybe they're the odd there's the odd exception like if you really build up to a match that i think is like a big stakes match then yeah but what was it what was it that they teed up uh sheamus versus lashley not that big a deal bianca belair sasha banks i mean it's uh it varies that is different that is different but a lot of people do tune in for the video package and they delivered that right up until the end so you got that. Uh, NXT on Tuesday night did 717,000 viewers, uh, 217,000 in the 18 to 49 demo, uh, that coming from WrestleNomics and Showbuzz Daily. This was actually, well, the 18 to 49 number was not, uh, you know, it was, they've done plenty higher numbers in the 18 to 49, but in total viewers, this was their second best number since May the 4th. So that was, that was notable. Uh, in Canada, they actually did not finish in the top 10 sports programs because uh, they were going up against that the women's hockey uh, gold medal game between the U.S. and Canada that went into overtime. It did um, did around like 835,000 viewers or something like that. So NXT did 64,000 uh, just falling out of the top 10. But uh, regardless, um, viewership this week for a taped show uh, held up pretty well. Again, it doesn't matter. Like, none of this, like, nobody knows the difference, honestly, like, other than a very small crop of people. And even then, I don't think it really matters. So, um, spoilers don't matter, everybody. Like, they, I don't think reports coming out of this NXT broadcast, like, they didn't sound that great. The card was like, oh, the card was fine, but like, nothing blow away seemed to leak from this set of tapings, at least for this particular episode. And yet, um, still watched by a great deal of people. So it really does not matter. 
if anything, like it does somewhat feel like the show is in a bit of a holding pattern until September 14th. Like it's, there's stories. It's not just completely just throwing out cold matches, but it does feel as though everything is a precursor to September 14th, the new look, what that show is going to entail. And the big thing that they're promoting is this wedding on September 14th. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that production of that wedding is going to look like. How much is it going to look like a WWE main roster wedding or will it have its own spin attached to it? Mm -hmm. And and I really can't, I really just want to see what this new set looks like. Come on. Enough with the secrecy. Show us the whole graphics package. Man, so much hate for this logo. I mean, that's it's just <laughs> I don't it's not that bad everybody. Come on. No. It's like, yeah, maybe it's it's wildly different from what you're used to, but come on, it's not the worst thing that's ever been been made. There've been far uglier logos in the history of professional wrestling than this one. I don't even hate this one. Um, Fightful reporting that the the latest plans as of a week ago, um, not confirmed yet until you know WWE you know makes it official, uh, but looking like WrestleMania 38 for next April would be a two-night event at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Uh, this had been, you know, discussed a lot. Like, the last two years, I think it's been received very favorably, breaking them up into two-night events. And the question, initially, they had announced one date of April 3rd, but then when they ran that promo over WrestleMania this past April, they just listed April 2022. And I think that certainly was a bit of a sign that this is at least a possibility and I, I, I think you're looking at it from two different perspectives. The one I, the traditional pro wrestling model is, man, can you fill a stadium like AT and T Stadium on back to back nights? The other is the greater master of this is two huge nights of streaming on on Peacock, and it's going to be very successful over two nights and. They don't necessarily need a sellout for this to be a, a big success for them either. So, and I think just for the viewer at home, it's a much easier uh, event to digest in two portions rather than one marathon. Yeah, I mean, cumulatively, cumulatively, you know, will they be selling more tickets than if they were to hold one show, even if neither were a sellout? I feel like the answer would be yes. I think if you're somebody that is traveling and you have to imagine that traveling is going to be up significantly next April, then certainly what it was this past year, but even, you know, now of like people that are coming over that if you are someone coming from a far distance and you're planning to buy tickets for WrestleMania on Sunday and there's a Saturday, I think a healthy percentage are going to just buy two nights. Well, what else it, are they doing on the Saturday night? Like it's yeah. I mean, um, takeover is no longer a thing anymore. Uh, at least not in the same city as, uh, or at least not on a Saturday, I should say, you know, within the WrestleMania weekend. So that's a free spot now. You can now advertise a Friday to Monday uh, week. Enjoy the the whole weekend. Give your life to the WWE. Plus Hall of Fame. Like Hall of Fame will take up one of those nights too. So it'll be, you know, probably five nights of uh, of stuff. Abandon your family forever and give it to this company. Then, now, and forever. You know, every single night of the week, they're going to try to fill with something. And, you know, I, I, as a business decision, it makes all the sense in the world to me. What do you think is the percentage chance of going to WrestleMania next April? For us? Yeah. Oh, man. Give me a percentage. Really, really hard to say because the world can flip upside down like 
with a new variant or something just like that, dude. So I'm certainly not going to book a ticket for March at this point in time. Um, not making any hotel plans either, but percentage wise, uh, I feel like it's under 50, John. I was going to say 30. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel too optimistic to be quite honest. I would, I would really like to, um, but for for me, it's not even going to the show. It's to be, it's to see people, you know, it's to see like listeners that we, we don't really get to see, um, you know, at all anymore these days. It's to, it's to go to the, maybe the surrounding shows attached to it. But, uh, if, if we went, I, I would say it would be doubtful. I would be going to this two nights in a row. I think one of them I would just stay in the hotel. The travel, it. the travel is a killer. Like it, it, in and out of a stadium, you know, depending on the city. I don't really know what it's going to be like there, but yeah, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe, maybe we'll we will end up there. Well, on that note, let's move on to the COVID portion of Rewind to Dynamite. Yeah. Will Ospreay has COVID. Um, thankfully, he only has mild symptoms, he noted, uh, but he is off RevPro's cards this weekend. He was going to be working on sh- in Sheffield on Saturday and the Live at the Cockpit show Sunday. He is scheduled for their September 19th high-stakes event and is scheduled for September 25th and 26th in Garland, Texas for the New Japan Strong shows. So he did put up a video. Um, he said that he is going to beat COVID because he is at another level. So he is looking to uh, add COVID to his uh, list of opponents, but uh, we wish him a a quick and full recovery. But I mean, he seemed in pretty good spirits in this video and was not, um, didn't seem like he had been hit with anything uh, too bad uh, of this COVID case. Yeah, we wish him all the best. And you know, this is another case of a person who is double vaccinated. Yes, good point. You know, it's it's important to um, perhaps you know still warn people to to be very diligent with with uh, with their caution here. And again, you know, if he is double vaccinated and he still feels this way, what if he wasn't vaccinated? You have to, you have to wonder what, what he would have uh, possibly been like, but you know, breakthrough cases are, are of course a, a real dangerous thing. And with mutating variants, um, it's, it's still a time to, to put your guard up. So uh, we wish him the best, the speediest recovery. Uh, while I mentioned the, uh, the Garland, Texas shows, so New Japan Strong is doing back-to-back nights, and they just put out uh, match announcements for night two, which are going to feature Jay White against Daniel Garcia, Osprey and a partner to be announced against Carl Fredericks and Clark Connors, Tom Lawler and Royce Isaacs against Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer, and Leo Rush versus Taiji Shimori, which sounds awesome. But, Way, I know Daniel Garcia is kind of having, like, the like fantasy camp year, but I am starting to really get into the Minoru Suzuki U S vacation where this guy is going to any and all independence. He is crossing all over the place and just lining up all these interesting matches. Um, well, I don't know gonna... how much of a vacation it's going to be for this man. How old is this guy? Jeez. Like he's working harder than like some of these 20 year olds, man. He... Uh, I didn't get to mention this in the update, but today the announcement was Minoru Suzuki against a friend of the show, Dominic Garini, for uh, Time Bomb Pro Wrestling, um, which actually one of the people that organized this is a cafe patron. And that show is going to be taking place on Thursday, October the 21st. And you can get info for that at timebombpro.com. But Minoru Suzuki and Dominic Garini, I mean, that should be super fun match. That is incredibly cool. And yes. um, in Dilworth, Minnesota. 
Wow, that's amazing. I hope that goes really well. You know, not just the sh- the match, but the show as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I, this list of, of opponents he's got in this U.S. Like, how long is he going to be here? It feels like it's. It feels like he's got a match per every day. It's like a. It's about a month he's here. Like he's doing like uh, multiple game changer shows. He's doing the new New Japan Strong. And then he's like uh, he's doing the Daniel Garcia match in San Francisco. He's doing this Dominic Garini match. I mean, there's a whole list of um, companies that are getting to use Minoru Suzuki. And I guess the all the obvious question is uh, an AEW pop up during during that month, which would seem just hand to glove uh, an automatic that you would do. It would, though at this point it, it feels like his schedule is so full. Can he even fit an AEW appearance? And of course, the answer I hope is yes. Um, but man, the the guy is active. I know he's the the G one is t- it's happening at the same time. But I mean, he he's he's going through his own G one with that active schedule and the travel attached to it as well. So, um, I look forward to seeing who can have the best match with Minoru Suzuki in North America or in the U S over the next month. Back to COVID news. If you are attending the Arthur Ashe Stadium event on September twenty second, uh. AEW has to comply with the protocols in New York, and that means that if you are 12 years of age or older, you are going to have to show proof of at least having one vaccination shot. Uh, You have to produce either a CDC vaccination card, a New York City vaccination record. Uh, You can use it through the NYC COVID Safe app or the Excelsior Pass. Um, And if you're outside of New York City or the U.S. and attending, you have to have an immunization record with you. So uh, this is those 12 and under can obviously they cannot be vaccinated, but they have to be with an adult that shows uh, proof of at least one vaccination shot. So this is uh, this has been talked about that the UFC is going to have to do as well when they run. They're planning to run Madison Square Garden November the 6th and. I mean, that's if you're running in the state of New York, this is going to be the protocol that companies have to follow. Yeah, it is state law. You know what? Like, I, I hope, you know, no, the the, the shitty thing about all, all, all this is, is that it's going to be the ticket ushers. It's going to be like the security people like that are going to feel the brunt of all this stuff. And that's really unfortunate because um, number one, I mean, this stuff is there to, to, to make everybody who is attending feel comfortable. So don't complain, please. And and it's also, uh, it's 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 a bigger issue. But unfortunately, it's it's going to be the lowest paid people that are going to feel the brunt of those complaints. So, anyway, um, I I hope more more places adopt it. I mean, I'm I'm perfectly fine with it. Yeah, and on that note, the the Jericho Cruise, everyone has to be completely vaccinated. That goes for uh, fans, talent, everybody on the boat has to be fully vaccinated. Um, and that's leaving October 21st uh, from Miami f- uh, for four days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's move on. And uh, what else did we have here? Um, final notes here are that uh, for Wrestle Grand Slam this weekend, the stardom matches are official. Saturday, we'll see Momo Watanabe and Saya Kamatani taking on Micah and Lady C. And then, Sunday has uh, Momo and Saya Kamatani against Julia and Shuri, which is notable because on Saturday, Shuri has her highly anticipated rematch with Utami Hayashishida as part of the five-star Grand Prix, and then it'll turn around and do the MetLife Dome the following day. So it's a very big weekend uh, for Shuri, but those are 
the announcements to complete those cards. And I think for a lot of people, this is um, kind of, you know, pushing you towards these shows. If, if you're kind of cold on new Japan, I think this is a, a welcome addition to these cards. I certainly prefer it to whatever ramble, ram, ram, rambo bullshit king of pro wrestling thing that they might've had in, in its place. That's a loose translation of the title. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I'm it's again, I, I, we've talked about this. It's one of the things I'm most looking forward to on either night of wrestle kingdom on both nights of wrestle kingdom, I should say. So yeah, I think I, you're going to enjoy these cards. I, th- I think you're very down on new Japan, but I think these cards are going to be pretty, pretty stellar this weekend. The, the issue is us navigating these cards, recording and doing all out on, on Sunday night. That is a, uh, that is my mental Rubik's cube that I've been working on all week to figure out how I'm going to do all this this weekend we'll, with we'll, with other plans as well. We'll watch um, the rest of Russell Grand Slam in between the entrances during All Out. Okay, that's uh, that might not be the worst idea. And we'll get into this more during the Dynamite review. But some changes to the card due to travel issues. Pack versus Andrade is off of of the pay per view this Sunday. And Tony Khan announced that it will happen on a future edition of Rampage. So taking their spot on the pay-per-view is the Casino Battle Royale. And the buy-in will now feature Matt Hardy, Private Party, and TH2 against Jurassic Express, Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, and Wheeler Utah. But uh, that's unfortunate. Pack and Andrade was a match I was looking forward to a lot. It was one of the more intriguing matches, I thought, on, on this show. But will happen at a date to be determined. It's really unfortunate. It feels like, you know, PAC's been plagued with travel issues this year. And understandably, I can't imagine how difficult it is to try to get back and forth from the U.S. to the U.K., you know, repeatedly. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's too bad. It's too bad for Andrade. But, you know, hopefully this means that that TV um, match that they'll eventually have will will be that much bigger. I I think they made the wrong play, though. Because uh, I think they should have just promoted this right up until <laughs> Sunday. And then out comes Andrade. And then they just announced that Pac is unable to compete tonight right after the video package airs. And then um, then we just have Andrade lose in 26 seconds to uh, Billy Gunn. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, the, That's just the, an alternative way you could have gone about this instead of you know telling your... You're paying customers ahead of time. Hey, well, they they could still do that with CM Punk, you know. <laughs> <laughs> CM Punk will not be appearing tonight. <laughs> no, but they'd like. No, it's his hometown. We'd be we all the heat we'd lose. We've got to beat him right. first. Okay, yeah, better. <laughs> uh, so that's the update for uh, All Out and the latest additions to the Battle Royale include Abaddon, Kylan King, Layla Hirsch, Kiera Hogan. And the returning Anna Jay, who we will discuss her return on tonight's show, which was night one of three at the Now Arena, an arena that you and I were sitting in exactly three years ago today. Yes, the former Sears Center. Yes, site of Hoffman all Estates. We're all everyone's going to be saying Chicago, but let's be let's honor Hoffman Estates. Oh, Hoffman would be pissed to hear all these people just ignore his estate. Yeah, yeah, a legendary place. I've actually been to it. Uh, I was there for the Fedor Dan Henderson fight as well in 2011. Wow, cool. Yes, neat. <laughs> <laughs> that is neat. That's cool. Thanks. I don't fucking care, John. <laughs> 
FTR versus Santana and Ortiz is how we started off the show. Um, automatically, this match started at three and a half stars because of the look. We had the dead presidents taking on the Bobby he- Bobby Eaton tribute gear. Mm. Aesthetically, the most great. Just great. Both, all four men. Two things Round of that- applause. Yeah, Bobby Eaton and uh, Dead Presidents, two things I don't think I, I would ever uh, mix in, com- in, in in my mind at all. Un- unless you're talking about maybe like things that appeared in a, in a video store, a uh, video rental store, perhaps. Um, yeah, it's great. They're, but they're both, they both, you know, not only do they, I think, look great. This felt like a big match just simply visually. But because of the real life injury that had occurred in the last match, the intensity was really high right off the bat everything about this was great uh they talked about wheeler being cleared but excalibur brings up what are the psychological effects of that injury uh he didn't seem to care about the psychological effects that tweet had on me last week because i went to bed thinking about that all week okay he's they should have probably showed showed it on tv no they should not have no yeah probably not uh Loud chance for both. There were these awesome stereo dives by Ortiz and Santana early on, and then they're throwing FTR into the rail. Uh, we got a cannonball in motion with Santana going off the back of Ortiz. They then get the heat on Ortiz, and Dax is stomping on the arm. The top turnbuckle pad gets torn off by Wheeler, and they wrap the arm of Ortiz around the turnbuckle. They're going for revenge. They're going to take out Flesh. And this was, bar none, the greatest use of the corner cam I can recall. In this company, in any company, it was right there. The turnbuckle was the primary area that we were focusing on. Fantastic use of the corner cam. First time I've ever said that. I, I like the corner cam. I mean, it, it's got, like, it's it's used as, as like, you know, just an up-close shot of the action. And, and to me, it's not really gimmicky anymore. There's no real novelty attached to just like look how cool this cam looks it's actually there for a purpose and brings you right into the action maybe they can bring back the the referee cam uh i don't know that one's a bit tough for so santana gets the tag he does the three amigos the crowd's going nuts and then he does the frog splash as the tribute to eddie which was awesome because later wheeler uses the gory special and jim ross is uh alert to note that is Gory Guerrero. So we both sides getting their Guerrero spots in. Man, we've got two wheelers now in AEW. What are the chances of that? Yeah, it was... It's on paper. We've talked about it so many times when you have the different... Like, similar names and that it's very much a WWE thing. And on the surface, it makes perfect sense that you don't want to have confusion. But this company has really proven... Like, is there any problem having multiple people name the same thing? Because this company... Has no shortage of them. Uh, it's not a problem. Um, you you know, I mean, you tell me, John. You've had to recap a cage page cage match before, um, so it's mo- probably mo- the only problem it is for. It's probably you of anybody who has to. I promise you, they are not thinking about me when they they go with these names. No, it doesn't bother me, and like it, it goes to show that this is sports like presentation and real life sports. You have people who have the same names. All the time in in any any real form of athletics, so uh, we're not really dumb enough to you know get get caught up like that. However, WWE I think thinks of their product more as like comic books, 
you know, comic book superheroes. And from their standpoint, I understand why they wouldn't want, let's say, a Superman and a super... <laughs> Maybe that's a bad example. Wait a minute. How like many Supermans super and Spider-Mans have we had? <laughs> like, we have the dark version. We have the dead version. Yeah, that's true. You're right. So that, Somehow... I don't know. Yeah. Somehow fans are able to follow this. Amazing. So anyway, they go for the uh, the powerplex, which was the move that they were setting up when the injury occurred the last time. But it gets stopped uh, when Cash in, uh, gets interrupted. They end up hitting the big rig onto Ortiz, but Santana dives onto Cash and they land on the two, breaking it. There's a backwards rolling cutter by Santana to Cash, followed by a lung blower, super kick, and then a double team Rotating suplex and Santana pins Cash Wheeler in thirteen thirty three. I thought this was just outstanding. I thought this was uh I won't say my favorite thing on the show, but it was my favorite match on the show. Uh I I wouldn't disagree with you. Uh you know, I, I personally preferred the main event a little bit more, but these two were both excellent tag team. The main matches. event was pretty great. Yeah, they were both fantastic. And if you had to pick, I mean, that's like picking like the best and and the best. It's, you know, you really can't go wrong. The match was moving at a very fast, very active pace. Again, from the get-go, the intensity was there because of the severity of the real-life injury that gave them a real great storyline to build off of. I love the spot where they were teasing, doing the same injury to Ortiz's arm. Um, Cash, I thought, sold the wrapped-up arm pretty well throughout. Mm -hmm. I mean, looking at the photo, it looked way worse than I think what we saw of him today. You know, I don't think this dude is retiring anytime soon, okay? Because he looked awesome here, um, and now they're at one apiece. So I, I hope they, they're able to add some stakes or gimmicks to a rubber match. Yeah, it was just great, great tag match, great opener. The crowd was amped for this match. It felt like uh, it was just a great tag opener uh, to kick things off. We go to the back. 2.0 is with Daniel Garcia, and they cut a promo on Darby Allen. They state that Allen and Punk is the biggest match in AEW history, and we are going to take it away from you fans. And Garcia is going to twist and hurt Darby, and he's not going to make it to All Out. I love these guys. Their mission is to wreck this pay-per-view and make everyone so mad and disappointed. That's it. That is their. That is the the evil villain's plot. Yeah, is just to ruin your life. This is like the character, the the villains on Batman, where it's like that is their own motivation is just ruin Gotham City's happiness. That's it. I love it. I think it's great, and uh, it's <laughs> maybe they're responsible for the the Becky Lynch thing. Maybe there was two point and Daniel Garcia. Yeah, no, these these guys are great. I have to say, it's a bit of an on mix of personality when you think about these two entities. You know, I wouldn't personally think the pair ever rise with Daniel Garcia, but it kind of works. You know, you have your mix of like, yeah, these are kind of like goofy comedy villains, and then the serious technician. Like, I never see, I could, I can't see these three hanging out or enjoying a car ride together. I can see Daniel Garcia being just annoyed to hell having to sit in a car with these. Two French Canadian, kind of like, is there? Hey, we're doing know, a we're doing a vlog. Guys. Daniel, you wanna you wanna join in? Don't mind us. That's a series we're recording of something. That's a series of events right there. But you know, it works. It totally works. CM Punk comes out to a hero's welcome here in the arena. 
He asks, are you sick of me yet? The entire place yells, no. And he says, I'm going to enjoy this while it lasts. And it could all end for me on Sunday. I haven't wrestled in seven years. I'm nervous. Dare I say, even scared. The crowd chants, you still got it. And he crosses his fingers. I hope I've still got it. And he goes to make a promise to the crowd. Every time I laced these boots, but before he can share the promise he is going to make, he gets jumped by Garcia and 2.0. And if you want to hear legitimate anger, these fuckers stop this man from talking in the ring. This was it. And they are beating down Punk. Darby's music plays and outruns Darby and Sting. They all make the comeback. Punk gets physical. He's dropping punches on Garcia. And then we get the sequence of all sequences. A coffin drop. A scorpion death drop. And then the GTS by CM Punk onto Jeff Parker for a monster pop before Allen and Punk go nose to nose. And, I mean, first of all, just uh, watching this was like, this was like your video game moment, seeing this. And the GTS, enormous. And it, it reminded me of that night we were at that card in San Jose, and Kenta did it yes. on the NXT show, when mm-hmm. the, he had been teasing it for so long. Mm-hmm. I feel this was a louder pop. But that one was very loud that night. Yes, it was. And, I mean, that punk was, yeah, it was attributed to Kenta building it up the whole time. But why is the GTS a significant move? It's... Yes, Kenta invented it, but it's significant because of CM Punk. So, you know, getting that here for this crowd, I have to say, you know, watching on TV these several weeks, perhaps the luster of CM Punk coming out and strictly talking is kind of worn off by this point. So I thought it was the right time to introduce a bit of physicality to his segments. And we got that. This crowd can say that they first they saw the first uh, CM Punk GTS in AEW history. Uh, so they leave home probably very happy. We had a really nice little kind of past, present, and future moment here between the three of them. Yeah, Sting says he always wanted to share a ring with CM Punk. Their paths never crossed. And it felt good to watch going to sleep in front of my very own eyes. Going to sleep. Grammatically, I feel like Sting is right. You know? Like, go to uh, go to sleep, it works too. But <laughs> I, it was nice to see the go to sleep. Yeah, if you consider go to sleep as one phrase, but it, it was nice to see the go- You know what? None of it makes sense. It's, it's. I mean, I mean, it felt good to watch go to sleep in front of my very own eyes is like a syntax nightmare. So, <laughs> yeah, totally. You know what? Sting is the grammarly of this program. He auto corrected himself. Yeah. He did. They all have the same goal. And that is not allowing anything to stop this match from happening. They move the traffic out of the way, and that includes me. Sting's going to come out on Sunday, give Darby a fist bump, and then he's going to the back, as we had suggested. And it will be mano a mano, Darby Allen, CM Punk on Sunday. Full-on babyface versus babyface match. This was a segment designed to uh, infor- like emphasize that fact. You know, the, like CM Punk is obviously the crowd favorite, but they're not play, trying to play any tricks on us. Turning Darby Allen for this week only. Um, they're you know they sometimes they do that with like people like Britt. You know they'll flip flop her 
uh, depending on the opponent or Cody, you know, they'll flip-flop him depending on the opponent. Not doing that with Darby Allen here. He, every, everybody knows that he, um, CM Punk is going to get cheered, but Darby Allen is also going to get cheered to an extent too. Um, still, you know, on Sunday, there's no going, there's not going to be any denying who the crowd will be cheering for. But at the end of it all, the only question that matters is, does the match feel big? Does the match feel important? And the answer is absolutely yes. It's Punk's first match in seven years. Darby Allen is like, it stands to me, to me, to he's already gained a whole lot just just simply being in this spotlight. And if the match is great, uh, and that atmosphere, I think will certainly provide that space for them to have that classic great match. Then, I mean, he'll he'll possibly cement himself, you know, in in a lot of new wrestling fans' minds. Throughout the show, they were airing different clips from the countdown that's going to be airing right after Rampage on TNT. Uh, for Omega and Cage, we had Excalibur and JR, Paul White, Mark Henry, all sharing their thoughts and pointing out that not too many people have beaten Kenny Omega in singles matches. Christian is one of them. Shivani, earlier in the day, did a sit-down with MJF, introducing him as the most disgusting, despicable human being, and I'm not too happy to be doing this. And MJF just... He's, the... he's not exactly an unbiased journalist, is he? This, yeah. he really did tip his hand here. Um, you know, a, a little professionalism was, could but have been he's, provided by Tony Schiavone. He's Britt Baker's best friend. He's just like starting an interview off talking about how much he hates the subject. <laughs> MJF goes through every single one of Jericho's nicknames, starting off with Corazon de Leon and... Jericho will forever be etched on Mount Rushmore, but I'm going to take his place. And for the fans, it's going to take a long time. I'm like wrestling's stepdad here to replace dad, Chris Jericho. He says that Muhammad Ali was once a great boxer, but he craved the spotlight and he fought one too many times. His brain turned into scrambled eggs and compared it to Jericho's bad knees, bad back, and just like Ali... You're an addict that needs the spotlight. And that same yearning for the spotlight will be the reason that the music dies. It was beautiful. This was really. a great, great promo. And this was all off like the intro from Tony. Like there were no questions here. This guy just cut like tremendous. This was a great go home show of just your interest is already at a pretty high level for this pay-per-view. And it was just everyone just hitting that, that last big push uh, for the match. And I, I thought that like they have made MJF and Jericho feel like a very big match for Sunday. Yeah. Which is no easy feat considering how many times they've already fought each other. You know, um, it felt like we already had the blow off. So it required a set of really strong promos from these two to really kind of like hammer home that this is going to be the big one uh, of them all. And just, you know, what can you say about MJF? This is like, man, like about as like perfect in terms of delivery, in terms of your classic promo delivery as you can get. It's the type of promo that would have been good 30 years ago. It will probably be good 30 years from now. It is the type of promo that is timeless, full of great intensity, clarity. Uh, so, yeah, it was excellent. Orange Cassidy against Jack Evans. Matt Hardy attacked Cassidy before the match. And we begin, Cassidy comes back, Tope Suicida, High Cross, and they go to the picture-in-picture. Picture. They're fighting on the buckle. Evans hits a corkscrew, 
And then Cassidy counters a suplex with an inside cradle. And during the commercial break, pins Evans in five minutes and 48 seconds right before they returned. I love that they did this. I was confused as hell because they came back from commercial and all of a sudden it's like the Pixies playing. And I'm like, what the hell? What, 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 did TSN come back late? Do I blame TSN again <laughs> for this? Yeah. <laughs> but no, they had a finish during commercial. And uh, I mean, I don't really I like... think you should do this like uh, once a year. And it's mm. just you are always going to have that in the back of your mind when they go to picture in picture that a finish can happen. And I wouldn't do it with regularity, but I think once in a while... You should do this or else the picture in picture is it's there's no reason for it. I don't really like it because at the end of it, I had no semblance of a match to review. You know, there's really not much for me to say about the match because I feel like all of it took place. Most of it took place in the the span of this commercial. And I feel like I pretty much missed the match. I'm conditioned now to not really pay attention during these because it's like I'm distracted by these commercials. That was the problem they were addressing. But no matter what, I'm not going to like give the mental attention to block out a commercial that's taken it three quarters of my screen out to squint and look at this thing to look for a finish, you know, like, so it, to me, it didn't really work, but I don't know, maybe for some people it did. Matt Hardy then ran in again and went for the leech and the best friends are in the HFO are out and then Jurassic express run out for a huge pop to clear the ring. So it was just getting everyone involved here and this, you know, this is going to be your different sides for the buy-in match. Yeah, quick setup for that. And uh, I'm sure it'll be a fun match. Eddie Kingston promo. He says that Miro, he asks him what his kryptonite is. And it's the DDT because his neck is his kryptonite. And they show highlights of him uh, getting dropped with a DDT. And Kingston says, without your title, you're not God's favorite. And he will walk, they will walk through hell together. And if you survive, maybe you will go to your God's heaven. And then it's Miro's turn. He says, you're talking about kryptonite and DDTs. The only thing I stay down for is my wife in a hotel room after a victory. The Mad King will realize that redemption comes only after agony. All right. Yeah. Uh, man, that's a lot of topics in, in the span of one promo, you know? Well, you know what this guy likes. Yeah, he uh, likes his wife and God. So, cool. Um, you know, Kingston's it, going for the neck. And yeah, the neck. You know, I love the fact that they were able to establish like Miro's Achilles heel here. It It kind of started with the del Sol match uh, with the DDT and uh, was built up here. It automatically sets up a story for all of Miro's matches going forward and gives anybody who faces him, no matter how disadvantaged they are. I mean, Fuego del Sol, you know, for instance, gives them a believable chance of winning. So I love that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm most interested to see where this comes out of next week, because it just seems like Kingston should have a big role at Arthur Ashe stadium and what the, whether this uh, leads to a quick title match or a title rematch or Miro does something underhanded to retain this and that sets up a rematch. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of possibilities, but um, this is one that uh, it'll be interesting as well to see just the, the amount of time that they get on this pay-per-view as well. Like this is 
kind of, you know, this is a very deep card and this is kind of thrown into the middle of it. I personally always try to look at pay-per-views as like, especially when you only do four of them a year, a year as like your, your, your sources of finality to stories. Mm -hmm. But this one really feels like it's barely started here. You know, I thought we'd get a, a much more kind of like, you know, promo exchanges between the two. And this really just only feels like the first round. Yeah. So I wouldn't be upset if this continued after All Out. Uh, we had a uh, feature on Moxley and Kojima featuring New Japan footage and Moxley stating he's coming home to Cincinnati, which is where Dynamite is next week, with Kojima's scalp. All right. Maybe a That's... bag of bread, too. Yeah. Maybe they'll break bread after. Maybe. Talks Jim Ross is in the ring, which he notes is my first in-ring interview here in AEW, and he says that Jericho is one of his longest tenured friends in wrestling, but I think he's made a bad decision putting his career on the line. It's the final fight on Sunday. Jericho comes out, huge chant, and he says, welcome to Chicago is Jericho. A bit of a, he did replace one word uh, with the promo when he came into WWE. Yes, he did, yeah. He brought up 22 years ago. His main event journey began here in Chicago, down the road at the Allstate Arena, and I was recruited by Jim Ross. Ross says, it's an honor to be here, but why did you choose this stipulation? Jericho says, those are good questions. I will answer them. But first, MJF, you are a piece of shit. You're diabolical and calculated just like me. You push buttons. You're arrogant, just like me. The difference is three victories. He notes the dates of November 7th last year, May 5th and August 18th. They're burned in his brain, and it's why he had to put everything on the line to beat MJF. I've never been complacent. It's the reason I'm here in this company. When I joined, there was no guarantee we would succeed. Now it's episode 100 of Dynamite. We're the hottest wrestling company in the world. And I can't continue knowing that I couldn't beat MJF. It would be the beginning of the end for me. But I don't want this to be the end. The crowd chants, we want more. He says, if something horrible were to happen on Sunday, I will thank the fans. But Max, you won't take this away from me. You can't beat me. You'll have to be the best you've ever been. But you don't have what it takes. You don't have the balls to get rid of me. I'll see you on Sunday at All Out, you little prick. And I was waiting for JR to just say, but back to my question, why? <laughs> no, he did answer it here. It was, was a very solid <laughs> promo uh, from Jericho. But I <laughs> I just loved like these two, that they were promoted as like interviews. And these were really just, hi, Max. Hi, Chris. Talk. <laughs> Well, we could have really had the same segment if it was just Jericho coming out with a microphone or if it was just a camera straight on MJF talking to the to the cam camera. And I think it's more like to do with like perhaps Tony Khan's preference for having a reason. Like he hates the invisible camera, right? So they always need some sort of justification for a guy talking in front of a microphone. And sometimes I think that's too much. Like it, it's unnecessary. But nonetheless, I, 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 I like seeing JR in this role. I've loved him anytime he's had to do a sit-down interview in the back. To me, he's excellent. He's better than any of the other people that they have there because he brings like this feeling of seriousness to the conversation. Whereas Tony's great, you know, like, but it's he he's a bit more QBC to me. 
Like he's just like, I'm the host presenting this. Uh, and even when he tries to sell that, he hates a guy. It's just like, you know, he's playing the character. Whereas with Jim Ross, when he speaks and tries to do something, he, he, he like slows it down and you believe what he's saying. So I love the way JR set it up here. Unfortunately, we didn't get so much back and forth for me to gauge like how good he is in a live setting, but I have a feeling he'd be pretty damn good. So I'd love to see him transition more to, to this type of role. Jericho's promo I thought was fantastic. You know, it, it, not as strong as MJF's, but I still, I you know, he had to do it in front of a live crowd, and I, I thought it absolutely achieved its job. Now, if the job is to convince us that this guy will actually retire on Sunday, I don't think, I don't think he hit that. Like, and I don't know what he could have done to really hit that because I don't for a second think that this guy is stopping his career after Sunday. But I can get into the story. AEW career. AEW career. Okay, so what, he's leaving the company? He's going to Game Changer. He's going to GCW, yeah. Um, Nick Gage is getting a revenge. Yeah, like, even though I, I don't buy for a second that he's retiring, I can at least get into the story. I can get into the idea that this character would be willing to sacrifice his career to get this rematch. It just indicates to me how much he hates MJF, and and, and losing to him bothers him. It's like, you know, I, I know the Avengers are going to come back after Infinity War and beat Thanos. Um, but I still want to. I can still get into the story of of how they're going to do it, even if I know the conclusion. I I think they've done a really good job of building this up, and I think this crowd is like I think this is going to work really well on Sunday, and I think the crowd is going to buy into the idea that if they're they're going to have their work cut out for them. But I I think that they have set this up very well that you can at least have a shred of doubt to. Uh, the ending here, like with how well they have protected MJF and that there's, I, I think people can even look at it at the idea of what is Jericho's role if this is AEW 2.0 as they're moving into what is clearly a new era of the company, what his role is. Um, but mm. nonetheless, I, I think like it's not one that you have to necessarily go in with that belief it's just have that doubt for like the key moments of the match. And I think they can get there. Um, this is another one. Like the match placement is going to be very interesting on this show because I, I, I think this, this could be anywhere on, on the show as well. And this, well, you if have this works it. well, this will be a real like big high uh, for the finish of this. True. You have to end with punk Darby. There's no other choice for this crowd. It depends. It depends. Mm. I mean, what if, if you, depends on what? Uh, if you have Brian Danielson coming out, okay, that might change your your line of thinking. If that's how you want to end the show, yeah, perhaps. I just think the crowd's going to be so hot that at the start of let's say what you know Kenny versus Christian, I don't think they're going to be able to match the Punk. But you I agree be- with you. Like if if I'm looking at this, it's it's Punk and Darby in that final slot. But I can see, um, yeah, I I can certainly see you know, different, different scenarios of, okay. of what you go with. But yeah, you're absolutely right about this Jericho match though. I, I very much think about this, like, you know, to me, it's all the Taker WrestleMania matches while he was still doing the streak. It was pretty obvious what the conclusions were going to be, right? Taker's going to win, add to the number. The, the, the success of the match is dependent on whether or not they can at least get you for that one near kickout. And if they can do that with this stipulation, then it'll be a great success. And I imagine that as long as there's that 1% of doubt, like they, like they, you know, Tony Khan mentioned about the punk thing, um, they can, they, that's all they need. The one thing that they have in their back pocket, and maybe 
I don't know how you really play this up on TV within the story is that if there is a guy out there that I am pretty confident is not going to do some big retirement tour or do some big deal, it's going to be Jericho who has flat out said, like, when I'm done, I am going to do it in some out of the box way and I'm just going to be done. And it's going to be like, he's not going to do some big pomp and circumstance for his retirement, but it's really hard to to play that. But I mean, you're looking at a guy who, I mean, he is, he is going to wind it down. And I don't think you're going to get him saying I'm retiring six months from now. And we're going to do the Jericho retirement tour. Like I a hundred percent don't see that for this guy. Well, it would certainly make us look back at this labor of, of Jericho series in a whole different light. If that ends up being the case, like yeah. that would have been his retirement tour. Yeah. Like, um, it, I, I think they've done a really, a really compelling job. He's not, is he not wrestling on the boat though? Or is I mean, that he's not, on the boat. Not, is that not AEW? International waters? Do they count? Uh, that's a that's a great question. Is that technically an AEW? Uh, like maybe he's gonna on international waters. I mean, I don't know how well stipulations hold up there. That's mm. a that's a great question. Okay. Um, we had a promo from Darby, who said how Punk has said if I was 15 years old, my favorite wrestler would be Darby Allen. Well, when I was 15. CM Punk was my favorite wrestler. Seven years ago, you left. And seven years ago, I started in wrestling. And said that by Punk stating I'm the first one on the list, he's already overlooking me. I should have been the last on the list. And I need to do the impossible. And that's beat CM Punk in Chicago. And then the scariest words coming from Darby Allen, Or die trying. Yeesh. Yeah, yeah, it's different coming from Darby Allen. Uh, really good promo from Darby Allen. You know, I thought like he was. This able countdown to... looks very good for Friday night that we got the the clips of. I love that they showed so much from it because in the past it feels like they would just like leave it all in the countdown, and a very small fraction of the dynamite audience would, would actually check it out. Mm-hmm. They were showing a whole lot of it, and it's it, this felt like a really good go home show because of that reason. But like Darby's clip here was really good because you know Punk hasn't. Punk has said things about Darby Allen, but they're all complimentary. So Darby had the task of like finding a grudge out of these compliments that CM Punk has given him. And he did a great job here. He said, you like, chose me to be your first opponent. Fuck and you. It's like, what a, like, what a, what a great honor to be bestowed. It's like, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> no, it's, he was great. So no, it was a, uh, it was a good promo. And this was like, you know, 60 seconds, Brian cage and powerhouse Hobbs. Featuring Hook in the corner in his uh, leather pants. Taz is on commentary. Cage jumps Hobbs on the ramp. And they fight around the ring. Eventually they get into the ring. They go through the picture in picture. No finish. Uh, Tony is on Britt Baker's Twitter account as this match is happening. And says she has news about a free agent signing. So he's going to go find Britt Baker in the back. So he's he's leaving mid-match. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Cage that, hits a flat. Did, did all that work for you? Anyway, we'll talk about it later, I guess, with the Britt We'll get to that segment, yeah. Um, there's a flatliner by Brian Cage. The drill claw gets stopped. And then Cage lifts him for an F5 and the deadlift superplex. When Hook distracts Rick Knox, Hobbs then counters and sends Brian Cage into Ricky Stark's FTW title and hits him with his finisher that is called Town Business and pins Brian Cage. Um, I don't know. It just felt like a very... How do we get out of this match kind of finish with the belt? 
Yeah, and these types of things are kind of rare in AEW. You know, just uh, distract him and then hit him with the belt type of thing. Um, I the 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 match itself I thought was fun. You know, it was like two heavyweights who are very mobile and seem to have like pretty good chemistry with one another. So I wouldn't mind watching this one again. Hobbs to me looked really good. Um, it's a bullshit finish, but I think in the end it did further the feud. Puts a bit of heat on Starks. I'm sure maybe part of the intent was to protect Hobbs as well. And I th- I hope it, it presumably gives Cage a reason to finally find some friends, you know, to help him in this Team Taz battle. Because um, I have to say, like, this feud is moving a little bit slow for my taste. You know, it feels like, like it feels like it's been going on forever. And we, we, we just had a Hobbs Cage match. I was just really confused. Why would you beat this guy when he's challenging Kenny Omega on Sunday? And then I realized, oh, this is Brian Cage. Yeah, <laughs> this is so confusing. How can I I no, mix these two guys up? Yeah, well, I'm just, were, were you were you confused by the last segment of the show when like it was cage inside a cage? Yeah, where did a hundred pounds of them go? Malachi Black, I just sit back and enjoy these. He did not leave the ring because Lee Johnson scared him. I dictate where the fight takes place. He wants to put an end to that narrative that is out there. He gave Cody and Brock Anderson a a swift death, but not for you, Lee. I will place a coin on both of your eyelids so that when I send you down to Hades, you will pay the boatman's toll. <laughs> I love this guy. I just like, I can't imagine what was going through your head as you were typing those words out. I had to rewind it. I was like, did I hear this right? (laughs) This is like a special, like you have a, you have a a code for the finisher and it's placing two coins on the guy's eyes before you spin kick him to hell. This is the type of message like (laughs) you would hate to get in a greeting card. (laughs) Like I will place two coins on your eyelids so that when I send you down to Hades, you will pay the boatman's toll. Wow. Happy New Year. That's that's wonderful poetry. He and they're be. doing this on Rampage. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a great little TV. This is match. a Rampage level match. Like this oh, this would kind of be lost on the pay-per-view on on Sunday. So. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be another showcase match for Alistair Black on, you know, I think we I look forward to the Dustin match. You know, that's going to be great, but it's a series of matches for Alistair Black to to go through before he gets that Cody rematch. Just give Dustin a promo. Like, I want Dustin to have Mm -hmm. a promo. Like, I don't want him to just throw that one out there. I want Dustin to respond to this Hades coin deal. He should do it on a boat. Oh, there's just this, there's there's so much that like Malachi Black can go into. Black Rain should come back. Oh, my goodness. If ever there was a time. The Factory are in the ring, and QT calls out Paul White. Paul White comes out. Gets into the ring, and he just cleans house on the factory. Knockout punch, choke slam. Air, uh, QT's off. He ta- he hightails it. Solo comes off the top and just gets swatted. And then the gun club runs out into the ring. Billy, Austin, and Colton. And they show up late. Yes, they were not there. It, big show. Paul White had done all the work. He was done. And then they ran out. So the crowd's chanting, QT sucks. Paul White is staring him down. Billy's got a chair. And from behind, 
nails Paul White in the hip with his chair. These announcers turned on this gun club like that. All of a sudden, Billy and his scumbag sons, the crowd chants asshole, which was kind of cute to chant at Billy Gunn. Why in God's name we have Billy Gunn (laughs) feuding with Paul White, Uh. the revenge from the match we were deprived of at the King of the Ring in 99. Is happening. Wait, we, we've never had this match. Oh, we've definitely had this match. Because I'm, just I'm saying. like, I feel like I've definitely. Oh, they were a tag team. They were. The they were show the show gun. guns. Yes, oh, the show God. guns. The show guns. Oh, <laughs> it was like, man, I could have almost taken this if it was at least like Austin and Colton beating the shit out of him. But it's like we are definitely going to get Paul White against Billy Gunn, and I don't care what idea you have. I don't even need three minutes of this on TV. <laughs> Yeah, this is a, a feud I didn't need in 2001, um never mind 2021, okay, 20 years later. Like um you know, this big show experiment, you know, so much of it is going to depend on how much we get to see of him on Sunday, okay? Um cuz they have to do something to refresh him for an EW modern audience that tells us it's going to be different than what we had before. It's not just going to be Paul White trying to reclaim his 2007 self. Like who cares? We need to see something new from his style. We need to see something different. Um, but, man, I, I don't have high hopes for this big Billy Gunn Big Show feud in 2021. I can imagine it's just like probably Big Show just giving getting a few more wins under his belt over the entire gun club. I do like the gun club, though, more as heels because... They're definitely heels. Oh, like that is a proper role for these guys. The entire family just comes across as so douchey. So this is a very welcome heel turn. But, man, the Big Show feud, we'll, we'll have to see. And then the factory returns, and they lift up the lifeless Paul White for a diamond cutter by QT to send us into Sunday. Shivani has tracked down Britt Baker, Rebel, and Jamie Hayter. And Baker announces that there are two prestigious females that have been added to the Battle Royale, Rebel and Jamie Hayter who can win, and then they're not going to be threats to her title because she's already assuming she beats Chris Statlander at the pay-per-view. Then announces that one of the hottest stars has signed a long-term contract with AEW to keep the ratings up. Me, I've signed a new deal, and with my new contract, I've been given the opportunity to make a match. Not just any match. A two-on-one handicap match in two days with Jamie Hayter and Rebel against Chris Statlander right before the pay-per-view. Yes. Of all the matches to make. Well, uh, negotiations are weird. You know, maybe they went back and forth and somehow we had arrived here. But Is this a legitimate, like, contract renegotiation? I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's legit. I... I don't know that for a fact, but I would imagine if they're stating this, that they've they've signed her to a new deal. I would take it as legit. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously, the whole free agent stuff was like part of the Adam Cole teasing, right? I think they wanted I, – I think just the idea that um, eh, you just throw out free agents and the fact that today uh, several of the 90-day no-competes were up. I think they just oh. wanted to you know send people in that, in that direction of you know the tease of a free agent signing. Like they did say – free agent on in commentary about uh why tony was going to the back to find out this name so i mean i think it was just a hook to 
keep people's interest. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Do you think we get any free agents on uh, in the Battle Royal on Sunday? I think a lot of people are expecting Ruby Soho, so I think that that would be one that that you could uh, you could think about. Um, Lana is her ninety days are up. Yeah, I think at least one or two, you, or at least one, you probably would expect. At the same time, man, would you want to appear on the same show that like? Coming out of it, good luck, like getting mentioned. If it's going to be Punk, it's if it's possibly going to be Daniel Bryan appearing on the same show. Well, I mean, it's um, yeah, it, it depends what what the level of of star is. I mean, it's you know, nonetheless, it's on a pay per view, and we'll see, we'll see. I w- I wouldn't want to overdo it either. Like, I think yeah. I think it's nice to have one. Like, it, if you have a Ruby Soho, I don't know if you want to just load it up and then there's multiples because it's always tough when you debut. And you're not winning. Like, it kind of slots you right off the bat as well. Right. Yeah. That's why Becky Lynch won. 26 <laughs> seconds. That's it. Yep. Penelope Ford versus Ty Conti. The bunny was in Ford's corner. Uh, they went through the break, and Ford missed a handspring cartwheel into the corner and then missed a running boot. So Ty started her comeback. She spun Ford off of her back into a side slam. Then was going for the um, Ford recovered and went for the Muda lock, which is stopped as Conti goes for the calf slicer and Ford gets to the rope and continued to sell her leg throughout the match. Conti hit a series of pump kicks into the corner. The DD tie gets stopped and Ford lands a gut buster off her shoulders for a two count. She's selling the leg from uh, the gut buster and then Bunny trips up Conti. Conti grabs the bunny, gets out of the way, and shoves Ford into the bunny, rolls her up with this nice bridge, and covers her. And I thought these two had a, a very nice match together. Yeah, I, I wasn't as crazy about it, but I mean, uh, I felt like it was just maybe a little bit awkward to start. Maybe maybe not as um, like smooth as maybe some of the other matches that I, I was watching on the show. But nonetheless, like this crowd really got behind it, gave him a this is awesome chant. And I was really impressed, as always, with Ty Conti's charisma. She is a very likable character. I think she's getting a lot more creative with her offense as well. Um, not as creative with the names uh, of some of these moves, but the actual uh, appearance of the moves. Yeah, Ty Kido, DD Ty. What else we got? Well, those are the two major ones. Ford then attacked Conti from behind. She's stomping her down. The bunny joins in, and then Anna J returns. And what a reaction she got. Yeah. It was pretty impressive, like, for someone that's been out since January. And, I mean, it, was, it felt like a big start of this company. Like, mm-hmm. granted, like, your surpri- your return is going to get a pop. But this was, you know, someone, like, this many months removed. Like, this was taken, like, a big return. It was. I was actually quite surprised because she wasn't necessarily a featured player in this show. But I think anybody associated with the Dark Order is, like, is 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 pretty beloved at this point. So it's great. And within seconds, they announced Tony Khan has added her to the Battle Royale. And there was no one happier than Ty Conti, who the look on her face selling Anna Jay's return. It was uh, what a what a response. It was nice. She was so happy. Thunder Rosa gets confronted by Nyla Rose, Jade Cargill, Vicky and Mark Sterling. The women beat her down. Then Nyla and Jade have a stare down. And Sterling informs them there is more money on Sunday than fighting here on cable. And Thunder Rosa is just selling on the ground this entire time. Yeah, I I didn't really like this one. It was, 
I think it was like a generic pro wrestling backstage segment. You know, like we have 60 seconds. We need to get into a brawl so that we could promote this thing coming up. And yeah, I think it kind of showed like the acting was just not strong. Um, it was fine. I guess it did its job. Reminded you who was in this thing. So here are the announcements for the next few days. Rampage will feature CM Punk on the show. Darby Allen against Daniel Garcia, Malachi Black against Lee Johnson, Chris Statlander versus Jamie Hayter, and Rebel and Miro will speak. So that's uh, for 60 minutes. That's probably your your lineup. That's uh, a pretty crammed 60 minutes like, yeah. with some of these matches, yeah. Dynamite next week will feature John Moxley's Homecoming. The, the word of the year, Homecoming. Yes. And then uh, they announced the buy-in match uh, for Sunday. Main event, Young Bucks and Good Brothers against the Lucha Bros, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus. Don Callis goes on commentary. Matt Jackson was doing Penta's hand signal before getting tripped up on the floor. We go through the break. Uh, They get the heat on Jungle Boy, and then he tags in Phoenix. So we got Phoenix and Nick Jackson together. And there was this lightning-fast sequence. He... Phoenix does a spin off the top into an arm drag. The place is going wild. Nick then has a Greco-Roman knuckle lock on Penta, scales the top, and comes off with a flying head scissors to Phoenix while still holding on to Penta. Excalibur brings up the classic ladder match they had two years ago. And then Luchasaurus chokeslams Nick into a moonsault from the top rope to the floor. Jungle Boy then spins off the back of Luchasaurus into a tornillo to the floor. Luchasaurus hits a chokeslam, standing moonsault onto Anderson. And then after Brandon Cutler, Stooge Boy, sprays Phoenix in the eyes, they catch him with the magic killer. Luchasaurus makes the save. And then Phoenix rolls away from a BTE trigger. The Bucks nail their knees together and get hit with a rolling cutter by Phoenix, who then tries for a springboard high cross, is caught, Meltzer driver, and Matt Jackson pins Phoenix. I love this match. Man, it was I, dude Phoenix and Nick Jackson. Oh. Like this was Luchasaurus looked great in this. Like this yeah. was just this was an awesome main event for something on free TV. You really can't ask for better than something like this. Um, I think the Bucks are maybe the most consistent guys in this company. Every one of their TV appearances are just amazing, and they always happen to elevate whoever they're in the ring with as well in terms of their performances. Everybody I thought looked really good here. Like yeah. The only time I like Gallows and Anderson are when they're in these matches with the Bucks. You know, like I I never like these two, like when they're wrestling their own tag matches. But they're when when they're like when they're teaming with the Bucks, it's always like awesome. Uh, as you mentioned, Luchasaurus had a big spotlight on him in this one. Jungle Boy as always, and Ray Phoenix is just like, what can you say? This no, guy Phoenix is just again. The, he was the star of this match uh, again, and that's that's high praise. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward. Like this got me hyped for the cage match on on Sunday. You know, like and and I know people are going to, going to be concerned that oh, it's a cage. How can they do all their spots? The creativity that like these four I'm not worried have, about it. Me neither. They're going to use those limitations to their advantage. Omega and Nakazawa come out, and you see Don Callis go to the back, and Omega's hair is now jet black. Yeah, it's like a bluish, like with like yeah, highlights. It, it was hard to see on, like, it looked, yeah, it did something to it. Um, it's a choice, yeah. The Elite beat down the opponents, and then the best line of the show was uh, Kenny Omega yelling, take care of the dinosaur. 
and they put <laughs> Luchasaurus through a table with a magic killer. Omega is mocking Jungle Boy when Christian runs down, spears Omega, but he is outnumbered, and they beat the hell out of him. They get kendo sticks. Omega says it's a trap, and he addresses Tony Khan and warns him about keeping an eye on his personal belongings because Don Callis has intercepted the controls to the steel cage with the key, and thus the cage lowers, and they went to the extent of explaining to you how they have the power to lower this cage. Mm-hmm. That is attention to detail. Uh, the type that I, I think is, is definitely welcome. Yeah. And I'm reminded now, like, at how tall this AEW cage is. I feel like we haven't seen it in, in a while. But it's huge, this thing. And they brought it down. And while it's very narrow, there is some space. Like, it's not as though the cage is right up against the ropes as well. Yeah. So there is some room to play with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's very little. Um, cause they had all the baby, f- again, like it's like these, so many of these just basic ideas that are being reintroduced. Like the baby face Christian cage is in danger. This guy has friends and they're all running down to try and help their friend. We have Kazarian, Dante Martin, Orange Cassidy, Marco stunt, and Cutler is just spraying all of these guys. I didn't get to speak about this on Friday. Dude, I love Brandon Cutler in that tag match on Friday. He was awesome. He was a lot of fun. He has been. And I think he's a perfect addition to the heel um, role that the the elite have as just sort of like um, the water boy. What do they call him? Stooge boy. Stooge boy. Okay. The, the Him, like he was the most effective guy in the group in this thing. Because like he... The spray works perfectly to get like your the pests off of the fence. It was exactly like somebody trying to swat flies off of like a mesh netting, and then it was like you had the combination of like the, you know the good brothers using kendo sticks, but it was colored with the spray that was like the best. It was awesome. So they're all the baby faces can't get in. They handcuff Penta and Phoenix to the rope. Nick is murdering them with super kicks, and then Christian is held on his knees as Omega. Lines up, and my feed cut out, and that—that's where the show ended for me. I'm presuming he really took his head off. Why would why would your feed cut out? It I had it set till ten, and I didn't go. I usually save for like a few oh. minutes after, and it had to have been just like the last thirty seconds that it was cut off. It was basically just a triple BTE trigger delivered okay. to Christian. So. And that's how the show ended. I thought a super heated angle to go into Sunday. I think like. I think they've given you like a big tease that this could be like the young bucks getting beat for the tag titles. Is that the sense that, is that the sense that you got? Because I just think the combination of the fact that they went over strong here, it's the steel cage. They've made such a big deal that they will not have any help with them this time uh, in the cage. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I think like, and I mean, it's going to be a dynamite match, pardon the pun, but it's, yeah, I, I thought overall this was like a super go-home show to really get you amplified for Sunday. It was a really strong go-home show. Yeah. Um, I I thought like they had elements from pretty much like every, uh, you know, every one of your main event matches on this show or every one of your featured matches on the show and even like multiple segments at that. You know, in the case of like uh, Darby Allen, CM Punk and Chris Jericho and MJF, like they had, they reminded you about that throughout the entire show. Um yeah, and I thought the wrestling itself was really strong too. You have two, you had two excellent tag matches to start and to close this one, 
and uh, some great promos in between too. So I, I actually quite enjoyed the show, even on its own, not even considering the fact that it's a go home show. Yeah, I mean, Tony Khan had talked about this like a year ago or so about how you handle how he handles go home shows. The idea that you want to do for like four, he said at the time, like. 48 weeks of the year, I'm going to do a kick-ass wrestling show. And four times a year, it's building the pay-per-view. And tonight, man, you got that mix. Like, you got a great wrestling show, but all the focus was on Sunday. I mean, they were hammering over the head that this is going to be the biggest pay-per-view in AEW history. And that's not hyperbole. That's the expectation that this will be the most bought show in company history. Um, You just, like... I can't imagine that you sat through these two hours and you're not really hyped for, for Sunday with what they with what they did tonight and what they've done in the lead up to Sunday. So we've we've mentioned it uh, a little a little bit up until this point, but the rumor going around is that this could possibly be the debut of Daniel Bryan. Were you um you know, was it interesting to you that they like made no attempt to 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 push those illusions? No, I'm not I'm not surprised they didn't um kind of give that hint, but it's, it's one that, um, I mean, you could certainly make the argument that getting that hint out might, you know, lead to late buys. But I think as well, if, if he's coming out that they maybe feel that we've got this audience and this is going to be a legit surprise moment, even though I think people, the expectation is out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to that same argument of like, you know, how much, like, how little they they mentioned the like concretely that CM Punk would be appearing, um, but you know, yeah, I, it, it's out there, and um, you know, at this point, mm, I don't think the audience will be disappointed no matter what, even if like Brian doesn't appear, because I mean, they there's enough on this show for them to like they bought tickets to this show probably without like they bought tickets to this show even without Punk actually being announced not 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 even with the, the rumor i suppose maybe the rumor was already there but as as long as i get a cm punk darby allen match i think they'll be satisfied and everything else i think has been built up pretty decently too yeah it's it's a tough one like if you were to really dangle it out there like you do run the risk of like granted i think that this is an audience that i don't know how big of an issue it is but you don't necessarily want to have undercard just be drowned out with like yes chance and it's like mm-hmm. that's the that's the focus is when are we getting danielson like i think it's enough that it's out in left field that people are thinking about it but it's not kind of dominating people's expectations for sunday there's enough out there that they're um that they're there to watch the show for man chicago would is really getting spoiled here you know if i'm if i'm in cincinnati i'm like hey man what about me you know John Moxley, yeah, great. Well, if, you, on, if Danielson surprises. shows up on Sunday, then you're probably getting him in Cincinnati. That would be That's the assumption. Right. So let's let's quickly just look at the card before we go to the feedback. Um, so CM Punk versus Darby Allen, Kenny Omega, Christian Cage for the AEW title, Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander for the women's title, Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers for the tag titles in a steel cage, Miro versus Eddie Kingston for the TNT title. Chris Jericho versus MJF in the final fight. Paul White versus QT Marshall. John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima. The Casino Battle Royale, um, where they have announced all but two women. Uh, we have Nyla Rose, Thunder Rosa, The Bunny, Big Swole, Julia Hart, 
Ty Conti, Diamante, Penelope Ford, Red Velvet, Hikaru Shida, Emi Sakura, Jade Cargill, Kiara Hogan, Abaddon, Layla Hirsch, Kylan King, Rebel, Jamie Hayter, and Anna Jay. Uh, so we have 19 announced women. And then the 10-man tag on the buy-in with uh, Jurassic Express, Taylor, Yuta, and Cassidy against the HFO. Yeah, it's um, it's a good-looking card. You know, especially after having seen this episode of Dynamite. It looks better to me now than it maybe even did last week. And I think that's off the strength of some of these promos. Um, you know, Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage. I, I mean, we didn't get as much focus on for this particular episode, but it was a... Uh, like they've done a lot. They spent a lot of TV time on it prior to seeing Punk arriving. I thought it was a good angle to end the show with. Like I think, you, like sure, that was the yeah. last endearing sure. image uh, at the end of it. If sure. you're if you're throwing up percentages of the match that goes on last, Punk and Darby Allen, what what would you peg that at to go on last? Ninety. Ninety. Yeah. And the other ten being Omega Christian. Yeah. I don't think Jericho MJF is. Oh, you I don't what? think that one would be going on last. It would be interesting because if they did say that last, that would really do a great deal of like getting people to suspend their disbelief that this would be like if, Jericho's if last. If there's match. a crazy uh, left field option to go on last, I think it would be the cage match. If only to really put over like the Bucks losing should be a massive deal when they lose those tag titles. And if you were to put that, I'm not expecting it, but I'm saying that would be the left field choice to go on last. If you were doing the title change and Phoenix and Penta feel like main event guys coming out of this show. But I think Punk and Darby is the match that should close the show. And your only argument is if Omega is retaining and being confronted by Danielson to go off the air. Yeah. There is that, that scenario that would make sense. There are a lot of really interesting factors at play here. I mean, man, Danielson just really kind of adds to it. But, you know, thinking back a few weeks to maybe some of the disappointment to hearing about Hangman Page not being a part of this show, I don't think anybody's complaining now. You know, like you have a whole, like, who would have thought at that point you'd get CM Punk and possibly Daniel Bryan on the same show? Um, Chris Jericho possible retirement, I guess. And I think what what promises to, to be a really hot Bucks versus Lucha Brothers match for sure. What um, when it comes to uh, pay per view buys, um, I believe their highest. If we're going by like Russell Nomics, I think it's like one thirty five. Like th- these are like estimates. What what do you think is the ceiling for this event? Oh man, uh, well I think it breaks that. I um, do too. Uh, what is the ceiling, man? That's so hard because it's like the big element is CM Punk. You know, he 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 could po- he po- he definitely will bring a lot of new fans. How many new fans? You know, is there like a ratio that you can derive from his t- the TV rating? Um, to to guess, it's uh, it's one of those where it's like if they're gonna break the ceiling of what they've done, like sometimes when you break through that, it's like who knows how high it can go at that point. Like it could mm-hmm. just be a flood of new people. And again, 24 hours out, if there's all this buzz about, man, this pay-per-view could have Danielson on it too. You're getting Punk's first match back. It's going to be a kick-ass show. There's a lot of factors working for this show that I, I don't know if 200 is too ambitious, but like, I feel this one could be, I I fully expect this to be the biggest one. It's only a question of how much they break through on, on pay-per-view. Well, I have no way to like gauge like pay-per-view buy rates anymore because like I don't have a WWE comparison 
to go by. It's it's really just AEW and like what else is sort of in in their league, you know? At that level, yeah. I mean, like UFC, it's it's still pay per view. Um, but, but it's streaming. not even. It, yeah, it's like it's almost a, it's a different sport, and it's also just. I I don't know if I'd be able to get a UFC like AEW number off of a UFC, but do you take a guess, John? Put yourself out there. Put a number on the board. I'm gonna go and say. I'm gonna say they're gonna do 190. Okay. Oh, just that's shy a, of 200. Okay. Yeah, let's say that that right. that would be like a solid like that's adding like 65,000 buys, 55,000. I'm, I'm gonna go 189. Uh, 189.999. Okay, I don't think we're gonna get that exact, but the range. <laughs> if they do 190 to 200, I think that that's a really healthy number that they're oh, yeah. and that's going to set the bar very high i mean that would coming out of this weekend it would be a very high bar that they've set for rampage and for their pay-per-views that are going to be hard to match those those marks set by book but, but explain, explain explain to me does that number include like online purchases yes fight yes okay and and we get those numbers wow or at least like some people get those numbers i mean it's not it it would be very interesting if aew I think, honestly, for their own, like, I think they should take the tack that, like, Showtime does. When they have a big pay-per-view, they put out a press release and announce it. Like, for AEW, why why hide a success? Well, the the problem is when you don't have a success, when you don't announce it, then people But they do that when they're, like, Tony Khan only tweets when there's a big television number. He doesn't tweet every week. He says, thank you, we were number one on cable this week. Sure, you, you like might. That's promotion. It's yeah. that's a great number. It's a big statement that hey, we are, we are the 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 lone wrestling company that's doing well on pay per view. It's PR. You're right. That's yeah. success. Yeah. If if this one happens to break records and we sold X amount of ice cream bars, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, for sure. And the ice cream bars are going to be sold uh, all three nights at mm-hmm. the Now Arena. Man, if you bought one of those wrappers. Uh, for like 40 bucks, I don't know what to say to you, okay? The market's going to be flooded with them. How how did Scrump score those front row tickets again? Like, does he know somebody? Uh, he might, yeah. Or maybe he's just like, you know, on the phone, like with Ticketmaster, just like, uh, I don't know. Who knows? He's got his ways. Let's jump into the feedback before we end off tonight's show. On a scale of 1 to 10, tonight's show gets a 7.65. All right, well, let's see why you guys voted the way you did. Let's start off here. I'll start, John. MJ in a hotel room in the Windy City. He's got a lot of thoughts here, so I'm going to have to pick and choose some of this MJ. He says, uh, if the ticket fairy is kind, I'll be in attendance on Sunday. I'm in Chicago now waiting my own elite backup in the form of a rapper, a dark shooter, and a fire champ. To everyone in the post-universe, reach out this weekend. All right, so say hi to MJ, and uh, I think he means um, some Davey and uh, some of the other people in the community, everybody. He says, um, definitely definitely felt like FTR was an early exit stage left after their loss. I wonder if what's, I wonder what's next or if that's really it for a while. I get the sense that, I mean, like a rubber match is a no-brainer, don't you, John? Uh, for, for, sorry, for which F- match? FTR and, uh, Proud and Powerful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely think so. He says, uh, AEW seems to be having a lot of fun teasing their new talent acquisitions. The Britt Baker segment was teaser overload. 
now that it's September, I'd expect to see April sooner than later. Uh, so actually, well, CM Punk actually in an interview today said that uh, April, his wife, is not going to entertain a return to the ring because of a neck injury. So I don't think I don't think that's a swerve. I think that's like I don't think you you like I I think it would be out of character for like a CM Punk to like use his wife's health as a way to swerve people. So I don't I wouldn't really expect it. Let's go on to uh, Johnny here. What an episode of Dynamite. Nearly all the segments were fantastic. FTR versus Proud and Powerful delivered more than I think everyone expected, and Santana continues to shine. How much stock does Tony Khan have in 2.0 and Daniel Garcia? Not only were their first programs with Moxley, Kingston, and Darby, but also got a moment with Punk. Just seeing how babyfaces actually care for one another is refreshing. Jurassic Express helping the best friends and the babyfaces in the end trying to help. My question, who do you think is the Joker for the Casino Battle Royale? I think it's Ruby Soho. Um, I mean, there's two spots. I mean, they could have one surprise. They could have two surprises. And I think a lot of people are expecting Ruby Soho after those awesome videos she's been putting out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would it be too predictable? But who cares? I mean, they could have, like, you know, they could have Ruby come out and then they have a different Joker that they have a a surprise planned for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We got a Chris from Melbourne who says, Excellent episode. Strong return to form after a weak one last week. Very excited to see Anna Jay back and the return of Thunder Rosa and Isla Rose. Jade Cargill teases. Also great to know that Jericho answers questions the same way he inserts his podcast ads. (laughs) That's a great question, Jim, and I'll get back to that. But first, I'm not sure if that was a joke or maybe just a habit at this stage. Final highlight. They got the cage over in a big way. Nobody gets in. My only complaints are that how many of these backstage interviews actually go uninterrupted? The Thunder Rosa went tonight, and basically the entire pack on Dry Feud have all been this same tired formula where the interviewee rarely finishes their first sentence before being cut off. Secondly, Paul White QT Billy Gunn stuff feels like it should have closed out a Dark Elevation episode instead of Dynamite. I don't disagree with you, Chris, about uh, some of the backstage interview segments. They don't always work for me. And again, it's it's too many. It's like we've talked about, like not everything needs an angle because we have 60 seconds of available time. And they often feel just really hokey and poorly acted and and, and poorly done, you know, quite frankly. So uh, I don't love them either. You know, maybe that's an area they can improve. Okay, next one here. For the first time in a long time, I was thrilled to watch CM Punk throw punches. If that's not an endorsement of Dynamite, I don't know what is. As Sting would say, mucho respect. <laughs> AEW has made stables running in for the save fun again. On Raw, that's normally the signal of applauding 15 to 20 minute six-man tag that's coming up next. Doug, tonight's episode. Opening tag ruled, 2.0 got promo time, and Chris Jericho's hair looked supernaturally luscious. Superb. What did you think of Ty Conti's Mortal Kombat-esque theme song? I didn't pay too much attention to the theme song. Was this was this new? Um, I think she's had it. It's it's just more of like, um, like dance, like techno type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's okay. It doesn't leave a like. I I don't have a strong memory of the song, so I don't know how much it uh, is impactful. It's no Darude. No, no, not yet. But uh, okay. perhaps. There will be a sandstorm coming to AEW. Yeah. Oh, we got Alex from Portland who was there live. He says, you know, a show is good when there are multiple contenders for match of the night. It felt like everybody was hot from CM Punk to Ty Conti to Jim Ross to even QT Marshall. The Chicago crowd was electric. 
For my first live wrestling show since the pandemic began, this show delivered, and it feels like All Out will be even hotter. 8 out of 10. Okay, Muggin, a better outing from last week. FTR and Ortiz and Santana was terrific, despite Wheeler's injury holding him back. Punk hitting his first GTS in years was thrilling. The promos from MJF and Jericho were strong. Anna Jay returning was neat. And the main event was the typical eight-man chaos I've come to expect. The gang assault in the end was a bit much. I'm anticipating an elite collapse this fall. All right here. I'm going to skip here over to Charles, who was also in attendance tonight. And we'll be there all this week. He says the opener was great. But what do you see next for both teams? Is the Arthur Ashe show too early for Proud and Powerful to challenge and potentially take the titles from the Bucks? I think a New York crowd could really have a lot of energy for Proud and Powerful and would really lift that show up in addition to any potential debut. The closing segment was cool, but I'm not sure it got as much heat as expected. We didn't know where to cheer the cage coming, whether to cheer the cage coming down or boo the actions of the heel group. Maybe it came up better on camera. Uh, what do you think, John, about that uh, Arthur Ashe show for Proud and Powerful? I like that idea a lot. I really like that idea of if, you know, whether you want to really just build this up around like Eddie Kingston and Proud and Powerful or go with one over the other. I, I think that's a great idea for Arthur Ashe Stadium if if the Bucks are retaining on, on Sunday. Yeah, those are your main acts, aren't they, for those shows? And I mean, maybe you can even say something for the New Jersey show. Yeah, because that's that's a big one, too, that we're kind of overlooking in all of this, which is coming up very soon. Like you've got uh, Cincinnati next week and then it's Newark on the 15th. So that has to be a big show. Arthur Ashe is a big show. So it's it's a lot. And then and then they're going to Rochester the next week, which I'm very interested to see. I, I cannot imagine them doing Rochester without like some kind of Brody Lee Dark Order yeah. tribute. You know what oh I mean? Oh, my God. Yeah. Honestly, like, I mean, the, the you know, I, a lot of these spots they had already picked, and these are kind of these are make goods, aren't they? From yeah, like, these were rescheduled man. from when they were going to do these, like Rochester and Newark back in uh, before the pandemic or March of that year. Yeah, but there's certainly no shortage of acts to focus on for those particular shows to give the big spotlight on for those shows. I mean, they're all going to be be big for potentially somebody because it's either a hometown or just a place of significance and. That Rochester show, I, I look to be really big for Dark Order. And the last one here is from Jake. It says, enjoyable night tonight. There were three dark elevation matches, culminating with a great match with Moxley, Kingston, Darby against the Chaos Project. People were on fire for Moxley and Kingston, and a lot stayed after Dynamite. Overall, a very fun night and great to see Punk excited and executing a great GTS. Way I wanted to revisit uh, 2005 when Edge and Matt Hardy had a feud. <laughs> we kid. Well, how do we know he didn't leave this feedback for uh, uh, BD Elite? Huh? He might have. He might have. We're gonna have to cross. But he sent photos guys. too, so that can send you everyone to the forum. Some nice photos that uh, Jake took here. <laughs> all right, and that is all of the feedback for tonight. So. That is uh, the final dynamite before Rampage. Is this is this technically the go home show? I guess Friday is more the go home. I think I think it's really a three hour go home. It's what they've got plus a countdown. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, the real go home show is Rwanda SmackDown, isn't it? Always the right answer coming from Waiting. Friday night, eleven fifteen Eastern. These are uh, these are late nights. Friday yes, night. They are. 
they're they're very late. Yep, and it's going to be a late Sunday as as well. It's going to be an early sa- Saturday because of Wrestle Grand Slam. It's going to oh, be yeah. an early Sunday. It, it'll never end. All right. Yeah, I'm so, probably going to wake up at about six a.m. on Sunday and uh, all out. I'm sure we'll go into the wee hours of Sunday night. That is the better over under. Like how many hours the show is going to be? I'm guessing five. Does that sound the pay per view? Yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean, we've got the. How long's the buy-in? It's usually a half hour, right? It's not the full hour. Yeah, but they got two matches now, don't they? No, they the moved the battle oh, royal to the pay-per-view, so you've got that. Oh yeah, I I think main show is probably four, four and a half. I think we're at least looking at four and a half. Right. Well, but we'll um, be late. We'll be going live right after the main event, whichever it, be, it will be. Yes, we will be. So if you're a double-double patron, and again, it is September the 1st, the best time to join Post Wrestling Cafe. Uh, if you're a double-double plus patron, you get live access to our pay-per-view post shows as well as Rewind to Raw and Rewind to Dynamite. But if you're just a patron of our One Milk, One Sugar tier, which is our base tier, we thank you for that, and you can join us every Friday for Rewind to SmackDown. And I think we've spoken enough, John, so it's time for us to going to sleep. Goodbye.